Hey guys, this is Dawn, and you are watching or listening to This Little Light. This is a podcast that is dedicated to exposing the lies of the enemy and also shedding light on topics that the church has left in the dark. Of course, we're going to be talking about some mamas of the Bible today because it's almost Mother's Day. And y'all, I need you to hang with me on this because it is incredible. God, the Word is so amazing in our history, in our lineage, and oh goodness, goodness, guys, it is amazing. And we're also going to be talking about a very, 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 very pressing issue right now. We're going to be talking about Roe versus Wade and abortion. We're also going to be talking about a little bit of science between mamas and babies and what happens after a woman gives birth to a baby and while a woman is pregnant with the baby. It's really awesome, guys. I know that my men out here are just like, ew, no, why are we doing this? But let me remind you, going into this, both men and women, You were created with purpose and destiny, and there's not one person listening to this right now that doesn't have this incredible plan that was written by God himself for you to fulfill right here on earth, right now. And this, this breakdown that I'm doing is proof that you were created with a purpose and a plan and he has so much in store for you and I need you to hang tight and just be encouraged listening to this and also let me preface with this too I know not everyone has an amazing relationship with their mother or their mother might not be here I don't know what your situation is but I know that Mother's Day can be hard for a lot of people but let me remind you that you are loved and seen by your Heavenly Father No matter what day it is, every single day of the week, of the month, of the year, he sees you. He knows exactly what you're going through. And this day is to celebrate those who have done incredible things, who God has given the ability to birth and train up what is directly from him. Let me explain. Psalm 127.3, children are a heritage from the Lord. Heritage means something that comes or belongs to one by reason of birth, an inherited lot or portion, property that descends to an heir. God gives us as women a blessing when we are, when we become pregnant, when we are given the ability to have a child grow within our womb that is a blessing literally from the lord and cannot be done in any other way unless the lord blesses it so every single life that has been taken at the hands of abortion innocent innocent just murder it is murder every life that has been taken by someone They took a life that has purpose and destiny that God literally gave that woman the opportunity and blessing to become pregnant. It's a mother's job to birth what God has given her the ability to birth. God created us with these intricate parts to be able to do an incredible thing and it just go right back after the baby's out. I don't know how to explain what it's like 
being pregnant. It's strange sometimes, but it's amazing. Feeling those little kicks and hearing, like, when they respond to things, it's amazing. But we, as women, this is not something that we can force to happen. Now, obviously, we know what makes babies. We're not dumb. We've all gone through the classes. If you're married, you definitely know. We know what happens to make this happen. But unless God blesses it, it can't happen. He has a purpose and plan for what. whenever you do get pregnant, that child that you carry, that you birth women, there's a great purpose and destiny. No child, no person is brought onto this planet not brought into the world just by a coincidence God doesn't do coincidence that's not who he is he doesn't do anything by mistake he nothing catches him off guard he has a plan and a purpose and a season and a time for all things and this proves that children being a heritage from the Lord it's property that descends to an heir and we are co-heirs with Christ mother in Hebrew hold on to your pants for this one is M and it's Strong's H517 and the pictograph of the word M which is first used in Genesis 3:20 when Adam names Eve hear me out you're gonna love it it's a the pictograph is of elef it's e-l-e-p-h and mem elef is an ox head and that signifies leader power and strength mem is water and it can be like difficult rough waters or mighty or signifies blood when you study ancient Hebrew and the ancient Hebrew lexicon, you'll see that people would take animal hides and put in a pot of boiling water and skim off the thick substance that rose to the top to use as glue. So when you look at the pictograph of the word M, which is mother in Hebrew, it literally means glue, like that holds the family together. In Genesis 3.20, that is where the word mother comes into play. Adam calls Eve the mother of all things living. She was literally the glue holding it all together. I love the word. I love studying out the, the Hebrew and the Greek meanings of words because it's amazing. God is so into details. And for him to have Eve, she's the mother of all things living. She's the one who was literally in the garden making things happen until, until, until the fall happened. If you see me looking down a lot, I am reading from notes because there's a lot and I didn't want to mess anything up. So, let me move this note here. So, let's talk about how Eve is the mother of all things, right? So, Adam and Eve have Cain and Abel. Now, we all know the story of what happens with Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel and Cain is sent away he's banished away to a to Nod and he pretty much he and his family start up civilization they're the ones who get things going we start being fruitful and multiplying 
But then later on, the Bible does say that they had more children, but the only one mentioned is Seth. So that pushes us on into because civilizations go in, right? And then we have the flood and we have Noah come in and God is done. God wipes everything out. He's like, redo. Enter in Abraham and Sarah. Now, God told Abraham, so many descendants are going to come from you guys. Like, you can't even fathom this. The amount of people, people that will come from what you and Sarah do. But, we don't talk about Hagar a lot. And I want to dig into Hagar because, y'all, her story wrecked me. God promised Abraham and Sarah a child descendants well they try to force it into happening because once again nothing can happen without God's blessing God gives the blessing and doesn't do it for just whatever reason just all willy-nilly no he really there's a plan and a purpose and a time for everything now let me pause here for a second before I go any further if you are walking through infertility Ooh, I know that struggle. I know that struggle. And I'm not going to tell you to sit here and just wait and be patient. And it'll happen in God's timing. Because I know that's not what you want to hear. I want to tell you that it's okay to be a little upset when you see those new moms stand up. And you see women pushing their little carriages and with their little pregnant bellies. It's okay to be upset. But you know what it's not okay to do? To take it out on anyone else. Because that's what I did for a really long time when I was walking through my own infertility struggle. Take it to the feet of Jesus. He hears you. He sees you. And Hagar is proof of that. Now, God told Sarah and Abraham that this was going to happen, but it wasn't happening. So what they do to try to make it happen, they enter in Hagar, the concubine. Sarah's like, hey girl, I need you to do me a favor. She gets pregnant with Ishmael. When Sarah finds out, Sarah's like, mm-mm, and deals harshly with her. So what's Hagar do? Hagar flees. Because she's like, oh no, ma'am, I'm not doing this, right? So I'm going to pick up, I'm going to read a little bit of this. Okay? Just hang tight. And this is Genesis starting in verse, um, oh, it's chapter 16, verse 7. The angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness. The spring on the way to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sari, where have you come from and where are you going? Pause. Obviously, he knew. He knew what was going on. He knew the situation or he wouldn't have met her there. We're going to find out more in just a minute. But him putting her on the spot in that moment and saying, girl, where are you coming from? What's going on? She knew where she was coming from. She had no idea where she was going. She had no idea what was ahead. She knew what was happening. But she didn't know anything past that point. She said, I am fleeing from my mistress, Sari. The angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her. Pause. Can you imagine what Hagar is thinking right then? She's like, uh, excuse me, Mr. Angel. You want me to do what? This woman just tripped out on me because I did something that I was asked to do. And then there was a consequence of that. So what What would, excuse me, but he tells her that knowing this, 
The angel of the Lord also said to her, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said to her, Behold, you are pregnant and shall bear a son. You shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has listened to your affliction. He shall be a wild donkey of a man, his hand against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he shall dwell over all of his kinsmen. So he knew what was coming. He already knew. He knew because the Lord saw her in her moment of just complete, like, what? And anger and sadness. And he saw her. So she called to the name of the Lord who spoke to her. You are a God of seeing. For she said, truly, I here I have seen him who looks after me. In her greatest moment of hurt and anger and just confusion, chaos, God saw her and thought so much of her to not say, girl, you, there's a promise. No, girl, you are pregnant. And from that, you can't even imagine what's coming. Now, Sarah does eventually get pregnant with Isaac. But what happens when the man tells Sarah that she is going to have a child? She laughs. <laughs> because she's like, dude, I've been trying for forever. It's not going to happen. Just, ah, you're so funny kind of thing. But when it does happen, Isaac, we have Abraham and Isaac. Okay. So we got some descendants rolling here, right? And Isaac marries Rebecca. From Rebecca, we get Jacob and Esau. Now we all know the story of Jacob and Esau. We all know how Rebecca did some real big trickery there and kind of pulled a fast one on Isaac, right? So we know what went down there. But let's get into what happens with Jacob Leah and Rachel. Now, we know that Jacob runs away and is like, ee, and goes to Laban. And then there's entering Rachel, and he's like, dude, I'll do whatever. And he's like, seven years, and you can marry her. And then Laban tricks him, and then he ends up with Leah. And then he's like, oh no, what have I done? And Leah, in that moment, is like, bruh, what? I hope you guys like this paraphrase, by the way. She's like, what are you? What? Excuse me. Am I not good enough for you? I guess I will never be Rachel, you know? So he's like, hey, Laban, give me seven more years. And Laban's like, okay, yeah, seven more years and you can have Rachel. So when that goes down, Leah in this moment is like, okay, so you don't even like me. But she ends up getting pregnant. And she has, from Leah, we get... Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Dinah. Now from Rachel, we get Joseph and Benjamin. So, I'm moving, I'm moving, I'm moving. Sorry, guys. And when we see, why did, why did God give Leah all these children first? Why he the Bible even says that he closed off Rachel's womb. Like, why would God do that? Well, it's because God 
doesn't give anything that he's not going to have a plan and a purpose for. And in that moment when it couldn't happen for Rachel, it was happening for Leah because she felt so unloved by Jacob. God saw her. God saw her in her moments of anger and confusion and heartbreak. He saw her and he blessed her for that. And from that, we get so many of the, it's like six, I think, of the 12 tribes of Israel. Let's count one, two, three, four, five, six. Yes, six. But eventually God opens the womb of Rachel and Rachel gets pregnant with Benjamin and Joseph. And we all know what happens with Joseph. Joseph was favored. He was the favorite. He had he had the coat that was given to him by his dad and everybody, all of his brothers knew that he was he was untouchable. So what they do, we all know the story. They put him in a pit. <laughs> and then he was sold into slavery. And let's just talk about that. Without Joseph going into being sold into that and being the favored one that came from the favorite wife, Rachel, there would have never been the opportunity for what's coming next. The 400 years of bondage in Egypt for the Israelites. That would have never happened had we not gotten to this, to with Leah and Rachel. If God wouldn't have opened Rachel's womb and closed off Leah's, we would have never had the next situation happened, which is critical. Now, this all falls in the lineage in this, guys. I need you to hang with me. I know it's a lot, but I need you to hang with me in this because it goes so deep and it is so cool. So, when I was studying all this, I was like, God, you are amazing. But anyway, we would have never entered into the 400 years of slavery with the Israelites in Egypt, right? If it wouldn't have been for Rachel. So, Coming from Leah's side, though, we have Levi, which is Leah's son, and he was the dad to Jacobin. I know I messed that up, Jacobin. I'm going to go ahead and call it that. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I think it's Jacobin. But from Jacobin, we come Aaron, Miriam, and Moses. Now, from Moses, Moses married Zephora. This is one that don't get talked about either a lot. And when I read this, I was like, what? But God, what he showed me in this. Huh. So I'm just going to read this. Zephora and Moses had Eliezer and Gershom. I'm saying I'm destroying these names. I'm so sorry, y'all. But let's go here. And I'm reading in Exodus 4, verse, starting in verse 20. Yeah. Okay, so right, let me go ahead before this. God had just told Moses that he needs to, this is after he's already killed the man in Egypt, and he has fled, and he has been hanging out with Jethro, and Jethro gives him Jacob, or yes, 
He's been hanging out there. Guessing comes from Sephora. I got really confused. Sorry, guys. But he has been kept away from Egypt. God has told him, you know, you got to go back. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart and you do what you got to do, but I'm going to need you to go back. God had literally just told him this. So we start in verse 20 and so Moses took his wife and his sons and he had them ride on a donkey and went back to the land of Egypt. And Moses took the staff of God in his hand. And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do before Pharaoh all the miracles that I have put in your power. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. And I say to you, Let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to, to put him to death. Pause. God just told him that he was going to harden Pharaoh's heart, but he has to go back, take the staff, do all these things. He's going to harden his heart. Tell him, tell him what I told you, Moses. Then, as they're stopped, God plans to kill Moses. What? Why? Let's find out what happens. Sorry, I lost my place. Okay. Then Zephora took flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it and said, Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. So he let him go. It was then that she said, A bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. Y'all, when I first read that, I was like, What is happening? Oh my gosh. But then... Reading through it again, <laughs> everything about Moses was Egyptian. He had came from that. He had never been in the Hebrew culture. He had no idea how to, he had no idea of the covenant with Abraham that God had made about circumcision. All Moses knew to that point was Egyptian way of life. He spoke like him, he thought like him. He had no idea. So, Zephora stepping in in that moment and saying, Uh-uh, no, not this day. You ain't gonna kill him. He has a purpose to fulfill. Because that's why God, God was like, if either you can be fully obedient to me, you can do this the right way, you ain't gonna do it at all, bud. So, Zephora taking that moment and going like, No, come here, kid. <laughs> and just doing the dirty work. But when she says that to him the you are a I have to read it again because I'm going to mess it up it was then that she said a bridegroom of blood let me compare it to this you know in the Lion King <laughs> when Rafiki goes to Simba and he hits him with the thing that's kind of this moment that's what's happening here she's reminding him of who he was or who he is and who god created him to be and the purpose that god created him with which was to go into egypt god specifically had the setup for him to go in be a part of that culture so he could have influence there and he could go in and god had a plan from the very beginning when his mother sent him down the nile into the palace like right down the river into the 
palace for him to be raised up in this culture so he could go back and free the Israelites from 400 years of bondage. And she knew in that moment, if she didn't do that, as much as it probably broke her heart to do that to her baby, who's probably not a baby at that point. Like, he's old enough to probably to know what's going on. But because of the covenant that God made with Abraham, that couldn't have, if Moses wouldn't have done that, if she wouldn't have done that for Moses and made sure she reminded him of who he was, in that moment, God would have used someone else, but it wouldn't have been Moses. He, he wouldn't have used Moses because Moses would have been dead. Y'all, that is huge. Now, if we get back into this, Aaron, let's go into Aaron for a minute. Aaron was a priest. He marries Elisheba. Elisheba. <laughs> and they have ne Nabod, Ibahu, Elizar, and Ithmar. I destroyed those names. I'm sorry, guys. You can read it for yourself. But from that, from Aaron, we also get Eli. When we start getting into this, Eli. So, I have to turn my pages, guys. So, sorry, 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 sorry. When we get into, it doesn't say necessarily how Ithmar, but it came from Ithmar, how Eli got involved. Now, when we get to Eli, we get to see that Eli was a priest who Hannah went to. He thought she was drunk. Why? Why did Eli think Hannah was drunk? Well, because she was distraught, because she was living with Penina and Elkanah, and Elkanah was married to Penina as well as Hannah, and Hannah could not get pregnant but Penina was popping them out left and right and she was angry she was upset once again if you've never walked through infertility it is a walk that I would wish on no one it is lonely it is heartbreaking it's devastating it's infuriating and Hannah goes to Eli she's praying and she's just completely distraught and Eli thinks she's drunk he's like girl You've been, you've been drinking? Get up. And he asks her what's wrong. And she tells him, God, I want a baby. I want to give my husband a baby. I will do anything. I've been crying out to the Lord. I have, you, I know he sees me. I know he does. I know he hears me. And Eli tells her, okay, God, God sees you, girl. He's got you. You're going to, it's going to happen for you. You're going to have a baby. So, she's like, if that happens for me, I will dead, I will bring him back to the house of the Lord as soon as he's weaned. As soon as he is good to go, I will bring him back to you for him to, I will give him back to the Lord. So, it happens for her. She gets pregnant. Her and Elkanah have Samuel. Now, Samuel is the one who anoints David as king. When we start getting into David, we need to talk about another little situation off to the side here. We have Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah. Without Naomi, Ruth, and Orpah, there would have been no David. Let me explain. Naomi was the mother-in-law to Ruth and Orpah, who were sisters and sister-in-laws. 
unfortunately, Naomi's husband had died and her daughter-in-laws, <laughs> their husbands, which were her son, had passed away as well. Naomi is distraught and she tells the girls to go back to Moab because they're Moabites and she tells them to go back to where they came from like it's not worth anymore life it's not worth living while Orpah is like okay girl I'm out see ya Ruth is like mm -mm. your people are my people where you go I'm going and your God's my God girl I ain't leaving you nowhere so Naomi takes Ruth with her to Bethlehem where she meets Boaz. The same field in Bethlehem that the shepherds were keeping watch over the night Jesus was born and the angel appeared to them is the same field that Ruth was working in when she caught Boaz's eye and we have the story of Boaz and Ruth. Ruth and Boaz have Obed. Obed has Jesse. Jesse is the father of David who Samuel anoints as king. What you might not know though is Orpah. Who came from Orpah? Goliath. Goliath is Orpah's son. Who takes down Goliath? David. Who is David's grandmother? Or great-grandmother, I guess. Yeah, great-grandmother. Had to think about that. Ruth. It is Ruth. Guys, our, God doesn't do anything by coincidence. Like I said, it is so amazing to watch this play out. Then, we get into the Davidic. The line, the tribe of Judah. The line of the tribe of Judah. Because in Isaiah, we hear all the prophecy that... The Messiah is going to come, and his name should be Wonderful, Counselor, Prince of Peace. We hear all of these saints, but it's coming from the line of David, who was from the tribe of Judah, who we talked about came from Leah. Like, do you see how all of this plays into our lineage? We get into the New Testament, right? We hear about Elizabeth, who is finally, after years of not being able to conceive, gets pregnant with John the Baptist, who is Elizabeth's cousin, none other than Mary, the mother of Jesus. When Mary goes to Elizabeth and she tells her what has happened, John the Baptist inside of her leaps. He responds to Mary saying that she is carrying the Messiah that God has favored her among all women. And John the Baptist even responded. We had to start at the very beginning to get there. Children are a heritage of the Lord, and he chose women to carry them. That is why there is such a fight for life right now, because the enemy knows that no life is just a coincidence. There is purpose. There is destiny. They have a plan. God wrote their story before he ever created the world and everything in it. He predestined them for purpose. And he has amazing, big, wild, incredible things planned for every life on this planet. And no woman can get pregnant without God's blessing. So every life that is taken by abortion is a life 
that is cut short because not because God planned it because someone decided for that life that they don't get to have the same rights that they do I saw a post of a woman now I don't know if this is like satire or like surely I don't know it just broke my heart there was a woman in a mask holding a sign from some protest some pro-choice protest that said I wish my mother would have aborted me this girl holding this sign is so consumed with death and the rights of someone else that she has no idea that God created her and allowed her mother to have her because he has a plan and a purpose for her life that she will if she chooses to accept or not will be used by him to do incredible things to spread the gospel to make disciples to go into the world to preach the gospel to be a minister of the word but because she's so consumed with death she can't even live broke my heart did you know that women when a woman gets pregnant and the baby starts to grow within her within the first couple of weeks the baby's dna is transferred to the mama through the placenta and same thing with the mama from the mama to the baby but that dna that is transferred most of the time is killed off by the mama's immune system but the dna can stay in the mother's body for up like several years not just several years decades it has been found in women from several decades from when they gave birth not only does it transfer from baby to mama but every sibling afterwards gets a little piece of that dna god does not make mistakes that dna has been found that it has healing properties for the heart abortion whether you take the life or not whether a woman decides she's going to end the life of another human being that god has placed with inside of her a piece of that child will always be with her that never goes away children are a heritage and a blessing from the Lord and it is our responsibility to raise them up and train them up in the way that they should go men hear me out in this the woman in your life the mother in your life whether it's your own mother or your wife raising up your children or if it's a spiritual mama spiritual mamas have spiritual DNA if you will from every child that child that she has raised up and trained up in the way that they should go that carries along with her and that gets transferred to every child after that there's no if there's an abortion in the spirit from a spiritual mother to a child think of the devastation and hurt that causes think about the trauma on the human body God never designed or created us or that to be a thing God allowing the DNA to transfer and have healing properties was for our benefit was for the mother's benefit so she would always have a piece of her child because watching your babies grow up and sending them out into a world of 
chaos and confusion is the hardest thing. And letting them go and be the people that God created and intended them to be is so hard. But God is so good to us that He gives us a piece of our babies forever. No matter how far they go, they always are with us. A piece of them is always with us. He loves us so much. He allowed that to happen. But when it comes to abortion, the enemy takes that and perverts it and twists it just like he does with everything else. And with Roe versus Wade, we are on the brink of that being overturned. The church has got to step it up. We need spiritual mamas and daddies to step in to become foster mamas and daddies, adoptive mama and daddies to these babies because it's not just save the life it's train up the child in the way that they should go it is take just like you were taken in by god and adopted into his family it is our responsibility to come along and give a voice to the voiceless which we're doing proverbs 31 8 speak up on behalf of those who have no voice we're doing that right now and it is working guys with the news coming out that roe versus wade is going to be overturned the supreme court planning on doing that it's our responsibility now we have a personal responsibility whether we have children or not we have to step in we have to love we have to come alongside the mamas who are thinking about going to some back alley and getting some botched abortion and ruining not only their life but the legacy of incredible God-ordained destiny of someone else. You don't get that right. Women, we don't have that right. Only a woman can birth a child, and only a woman can make the decision to end her child's life. And we don't have that right. That's not ours to take. That is not ours to take. We don't get to make that decision. We see through the lineage like of Jesus, the genealogy, how it all ties in together. And us being co-heirs with Christ, we have a duty and a responsibility to go out and love these children as our own. To come alongside mamas and say, nope, I'm going to stand in the gap with you. We're going to walk this out together. Because when it happens, guys, it's going to be huge. We'll never see anything like that again in our lifetime. But we have to be willing to step into that place and help someone else come into all that God has for them. But we can only do that if we know who we are and whose we are. And our mandate as citizens of heaven, as co-heirs of Christ, that legacy that we just talked about from Adam and Eve to Abraham to Sarah to Hagar to goodness... I'm going to mess these up because I can't think of all of them. To Moses. From, well, from Levi. Wait, no. To Isaac. There we go. Jacob and Isaac. Rebecca. Leah. Levi. Jacob. Naomi. Ruth. All of these tying in to get Jesus to where he needs to be. Guys. We have so much responsibility, and we cannot do it. Uh, we can't do it alone. It's going to take a village to raise up the generation and train up the children that are coming in the way that they should go so they can go and fulfill the God-ordained plans and purposes on their life. Isn't that amazing? God created mothers for 
incredible things. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And I'm so thankful that God has allowed me the opportunity to mother my two boys and have a whole host of spiritual babies that I get to come along and love and help train up in the way that they should go. It is a gift and such an honor. Motherhood is a calling that we should never take lightly. And that's it guys. That's all I have for this week. If you like this video, make sure that you actually like the video here on YouTube and you're a subscriber up here. Press the little bell on this little light and also make sure that you are a follower on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Amazon Music Podcast, Anchor, whatever it is, your favorite streaming platform. Make sure that you're a follower of This Little Light and you're also checking out the Facebook page. This Little Light Facebook page has lots of great encouragement throughout the week and it also has some great discussion and we can talk about where you guys would like to go as far as the podcast is concerned. Like what would you, what topics would you like to shed some light on or would you like to study out with me to shed some light on? I hope you guys have the most amazing week and I pray that every mother watching this listening to this has the most amazing Mother's Day regardless of what your mothering situation looks like know that God sees you he hears you he's in the middle of everything with you I love you have the most amazing week